This program is brought to you by W. W. Norton and Company, publishers of Poetry Unbound by Patrick Otuma. Now in paperback and featuring immersive reflections on 50 powerful poems. Welcome to the guest editor Q&A hosted by the Academy of American Poets. I'm Mary Sutton, senior content editor at the Academy, and I'm here today with our guest editor for August, Poem A Day, Danica Kelly. Danica is the author of Bestiary and The Renunciations. Welcome, Danica, and thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today, Mary. <laughs> Likewise. All right, uh, let's jump right in. How did you approach curating Poem A Day? Uh, when I got the invitation, uh, I was so excited, <laughs> uh, which also felt unexpected um, because I tend not to want to do like this kind of work, but I love Poem A Day and I get so excited about the poems in my inbox and I was so excited for the opportunity. Um, and so there were a ton of names that came to mind. Um, and, uh, and it was hard to kind of figure out like what, what my approach might be, but eventually I decided to focus primarily on poets who are kind of like me a bit more at the earlier end of their careers, um, folks with maybe two books or one book or a chat book or, uh, poets whose work I had seen, um, who maybe didn't have a, a collection yet. Um, this is work that I'm excited by. Uh, usually they're dealing with similar kinds of themes uh, that I feel really connected to. They're thinking about nature, they're queer folks, they're folks of color, they're strange, wonderful people, um, and their work is strange and wonderful. Um, and so I was thinking about those folks, and then I also wanted to reach out to poets who are who are more established and whose work has been important to me. And that felt like a really wonderful opportunity to, to um, uh, just highlight work by poets who I think are just like really, really wonderful folks. And that balance feels like the right mood for August. It's like, we're coming out of summer, you know, like things are blooming, um, heading into uh, the fall and the harvest. I don't know, like, I, for me, like that was uh, that was a little bit of of the thinking, and um, again, like these are poets whose work I feel in conversation with, and I'm so excited that so many of them said yes. That part was scary. So <laughs> I was like, will they say yes? And then so many of them did. Well, that's uplifting when they do yeah. say yes. <laughs> it is. It is. Now, if you could direct readers to one poem or several, because I, I realize this, this question can be challenging for some people, uh, in our collection at poets.org that you haven't curated, what would it or they be and why? Uh, how do people answer this question? That's like 
the the archive is so 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 huge um and there were a few options that i was thinking of but the one that stuck with me i think it came out uh towards the end of last year and it's uh vanessa Angelica villarreal's i was a good wife um it's one of my favorite poems uh it's a i remember i read it and i was like "Woo, okay <laughs> i felt like a little bowled over um by it uh it, it feels like it like the energy of it is so big and under that energy is such grief um and maybe a longing to have been different um and i i don't know i've i've definitely felt that i felt that at the end of my marriage so i don't know um i just like i could i connected so much with that work and i really love i love her work just broadly anyway and so uh this is one of the poems that um recently uh, i was really really excited by the title i was a good wife it's like it uses the past tense and it's like it feels really grounded right i was a good wife and then the next two lines were are just like oh it's like the poem moves in like directions that are so unexpected um and i just that was maybe i'm just like trying to go with like what comes first to mind i'm just like moving in that because otherwise we've spent years in the poets.org archive because <laughs> there's so many wonderful wonderful poems there and and we encourage people to spend as much time there as as they want to spend certainly mm -hmm. um but i'm so glad that you mentioned uh that Villarreal poem which um you know and and those who aren't familiar uh please uh, go and check that out um i too am really struck by the final lines of of that poem which engage so much uh, so deeply and so succinctly with feminism, with the migrant crisis, and really doesn't, it, you know, that poem really doesn't shy away um, from the ways in which um, imposed social demarcations um, define our characters and our lives for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay, so what are you reading right now off of our website? I have so I have just like piles of books like all over the place. I'm trying to get ready for the for the fall. Um, I'm teaching two classes, and uh, so what has been in uh, 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 what has been in my stack? Uh, Amakojo's Bluest Nude, um, which I have a galley of, um, and Ada Limon's The Hurting Kind. Uh, really, uh, been very, I've been very excited to dive into those, into those books. Um, and I have Tomiko Byers, The Last Days, uh, and also, oh, what do I have? Uh, and also her, uh, We Come Elemental. That's one of the, that's one of the books that I'm, I'm thinking about using for, for my class. Uh, and then I'm just rereading some by V. Francis. And in my spare time, just hunting for, you know, big sci-fi trilogies written by the women of color, um, <laughs> which are which are my favorite thing to read um, in the summertime. Uh, it feels, I don't know, I wouldn't say hopeful, um, <laughs> but there's something about the world building that's uh, that's been really, uh, it's, it's nice to be lost in that work, given the current climate, uh, political, environmental. Uh, it's nice to be sort of lost in someone else's problems for a little bit. So 
even though there's some sci-fi and I'm thinking particularly of Octavia Butler that mm-hmm. roots you very much um, in the world as we know it and, and in history, especially African-American history. I stay away from the parables because it's too hard. Like I actually, it's like, it feels too close. Like I tried to reread Parable of the Sower and I was like, oh, that's not happening anytime soon. Uh, I'm more of a, the Don Imago, uh, the, the Xenogenesis trilogy is one of my favorites to reread in the summer. Um, I do need like a little bit of distance because history is really circling back around right now. Uh, rebounding a little bit despairing maybe that's all I'll say about that (laughs) to say the least yeah despairing (laughs) um you talked briefly about uh work and and getting together a syllabus for this fall um what are you currently working on in your writing teaching and publishing life uh so much of my work right now is uh, thinking, I'm thinking through boundaries. Um, and that's come out of um, having the opportunity at the University of Iowa to really teach advanced creative writing classes to undergrads. So I'm not, work, I don't work with grad students. Um, and in those classes, we, what has come up as like the big craft questions for me are like, what are the boundaries and how do we manipulate those boundaries between us and our speakers, between our speakers and our readers, the shape of the poem. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's been something that I've been really interested in. Um, and that thinking is coming through pretty clearly in two courses that I'm, the two courses that I'm teaching this fall. One of them is on persona and one of them is on uh, nature poetry. And both are exploring how we ground the poem um, and the relationship between the poet and the speaker. I don't want them, I don't want my students at this juncture because they are very young in their practice to think too much about the the reader. (laughs) Just like what's happening between the poet and the speaker? What are they asking their speakers to do? Um, And in my own writing, uh, I'm doing what I I love to do, which is writing whatever comes. Uh, I have a research trip out to Seattle in the next week, uh, which will involve uh, looking for and at, or hopefully, yeah, looking for and at Orca. Um, I don't wanna be too close though. I want that boundary to be very clear. So um, that, that feels really important to me. Uh, so I want to do some, some uh, shore watching. I don't need to be out in the water. Um, really enjoy watching from the shore. Feel safe. I'm a land animal. That's a sea animal. Keep the right. boundary tight. <laughs> I love to look at the water from a, a safe distance. I, I'm mm-hmm. exactly the same the same way. Um, So you mentioned that, you know, at this stage, you don't want your students uh, to be thinking too much about the reader. Uh, But I'm curious, when you write, do do you imagine an audience? When I'm drafting, I don't really. Uh, When I'm drafting, I'm mostly thinking about or working on what is in the broadest sense possible, pleasurable to me. So like if I'm working with difficult material, difficult memories, sensitive memories, it's like, how can I create something where the shape and the sound feels good to me, feels pleasing to me. Um, But when I get to the stage of the work where I'm looking at it and thinking of it as something to share, 
then that's when I start thinking about the audience and and so some slightly different considerations come in come into play there. Uh, so not all I you know can't share everything and I don't because it's not all art. <laughs> so it's like what rises to the category of art what feels like it could be shared and have some um, of that offering to the reader um, of an experience and hopefully a shared experience. Uh, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about then. But maybe also I would so many digressions here, but uh, I also think about I like to write the kinds of poems that I like to read. So I'm often thinking about myself as the first the first reader. It's like I know what I like, and so can the poem do the things that I like? Um, sometimes. <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> that reminds me a lot of, of Toni Morrison, who um, once said to paraphrase that she wrote the novels that she wanted mm -hmm. to read. I mean, if, if there's something out there, or rather, mm -hmm. if, if there's something you want to read that isn't out there, then mm -hmm. you as an artist have an obligation to create it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't dare. Um. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm, I'm not trying to go there with you, but. <laughs> But I think I want to be in conversation with the poets whose work is meaningful and pleasurable to me. I want to like be writing in that lineage and in that tradition. And uh, and so I, that I, that ends up being actually a little bit of a high bar for like what I end up sharing. It's like, does this poem clear the bar of work that um, I have loved written by other poets? And sometimes, sometimes it does. So. That feels nice. Indeed, indeed. Yep. Thank you so much for joining me uh, for this podcast. And thank you for taking the time to curate for August. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. This is wonderful. Wonderful. Poem a Day is the original daily poetry series featuring new poems by today's poets. Produced by the Academy of American Poets, this free digital series is made possible by you, our readers and listeners. Learn more about Poem a Day, and if you can, please consider supporting this work by visiting poets.org give.